let's worship the Lord together. Jesus, you are our all in all. God, you make life worth living, Lord. You are our happiness, Lord. You are our joy. Hallelujah, Lord. It's a pleasure to serve you, oh God. We love you, Jesus. You are our all in all. Hallelujah. And now, kids, you can go to children's church. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's always nice to have a compliment from a kid because they're honest. I heard of a children's evangelist one time that it, he was, uh, it was his first time to ever do a children's meeting and, and he was trying to be a clown and, and uh, he was fresh out of Bible school and he finished one song and it wasn't going so well and there was a kid sitting right up on the front row and said, well, that was a disaster. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thankfully, there will be no kids here to critique my preaching today because maybe they would have some different comments. <laughs> Amen. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Some of you might be thinking, well, Brother Jason only shows up to church whenever he's preaching. Uh, I was at the youth convention and helped out with that, and it, it was a lot of work, but it was a great time, and, and uh, I, was, I was lacking some sleep. And uh, when I lose sleep, sometimes my, my immune system goes down. And so I was a little bit under the weather. And then we found out later that some people who had been there had, had been infected. And so we just felt it was just to be safe, you know, that I would stay home and, and rest for a couple of weeks. I was never tested positive for the COVID, but, but we just wanted to be safe. So, but it's good to be back with you in church. Amen. You know... There's some things that you kind of just get used to them and you, you kind of take them for granted when they're there. But as soon as they're not there, you really realize how much you need it in your life. Air is that way, isn't it? You know, we just, we've been breathing here this whole time. But if you couldn't breathe all of a sudden, in about 10 seconds, you'd be pretty desperate for air. And, you know, we come to church every week and, and we just kind of sit back. We sing the songs and we enjoy it. But you go one or two weeks without it and you get pretty desperate. Hallelujah. It's good to be here with you. It's good to be here in the presence of God. I want to give honor to a few people. I want to give honor, of course, to Pastor for giving me this opportunity to stand in front of you and bring the Word of God to you again. And uh, God is so good. And... Of course, there's one person in my life who deserves more honor than anybody else. <laughs> my parents raised me for however many years, and I'm so glad that they, that they were harsh on me so that they could make me so that I could get such a wonderful catch. And I'm not sure if Corey's blushing or making gagging noises back there, but... <laughs> But she is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Amen. When you serve God, when you put God first, God will take care of all of your needs. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. What are all these things? If you read a couple of verses before it, it lets you know. Your clothing, your food, your place to sleep, everything you need in life. When you put God first, He will... He will put your needs on His to-do list and on His calendar. Amen. If we could 
Turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verse 16 through... Uh, well, actually, uh, I just want to warn you up front. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture today. Which, I mean, hey, what, what better thing could we read in, in church, right? So, if we're going to read something, might as well be the Word. Exodus chapter 40. And I'll allow you to stand for my first passage, but if you stand the whole time, well, you might get tired. So, Exodus chapter 40, verse 16 through 35. And we're reading about the tabernacle and it being completed. It says, Thus did Moses according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. And Moses reared up the tabernacle and fastened his sockets and set up the boards thereof and put in the bars thereof and reared up his pillars. And he spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent above it. What does it say next? If you could help me. That's going to come up several times in our reading in this passage. And so whenever that comes up, if you would help me and read that for me, I would appreciate it as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 20, and he took and put the testimony into the ark and set the staves on the ark and put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the covering and covered the ark of the testimony. And he put the table in the tent of the congregation upon the side of the tabernacle northward without the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord. We see a pattern here, don't we? And he put the candlestick in the tent of the congregation over against the table on the side of the tabernacle southward. And he lighted the lamps before the Lord. And he put the golden altar in the, in the tent of the congregation before the veil. And he burnt sweet incense thereon. And he set up the hanging at the door of the tabernacle. And he put the altar of burnt offering by the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation and offered upon it the burnt offering and the meat offering. And he set the laver between the tent of the congregation and the altar and put water there to wash withal. And Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet thereat. When they went into the tent of the congregation and when they came near unto the altar, they washed. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Going on to verse 34, it says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just pray one more time together. Let's ask that the Lord would help us to have ears to hear and a heart to receive. Pray for me that I would be able to deliver this message to you as the Lord intends it. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for gathering us together into your house, Lord. We ask that you would... 
Anoint me, Lord. Anoint my mouth, God, that I would speak Your Word, Jesus. Not my words, Lord, but Your words. Help us to have open ears. Help us to have a mind that is focused on You, Lord. And help our heart to be ready to receive and to respond to Your Word. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. We've just read about how the tabernacle was dedicated to God. And when they built it, when they set it up, they did everything. As the Lord commanded Moses. Exactly right. As the Lord commanded Moses. There was nothing that the Lord had commanded them that they did not do. And there was nothing that they did that the Lord had not commanded them to do. They were very careful. If God said the curtain was supposed to be exactly how many inches long it was exactly how many inches long when they made it they did everything they were so careful to do it as the lord had commanded moses they built the tabernacle not just so that they could have a congregating place in the middle of the camp but they built it to be the place where god dwelt It was there in the camp that if somebody had sin in their life, they could go to the tabernacle and they could be forgiven. If they had a need, they could go to the tabernacle because no matter what else was going on, they knew that there was going to be a pillar of a cloud or a pillar of fire that represented the presence of God. And there they could have their needs met. We've read how the cloud descended and it was so thick that it covered the entire tabernacle. That the glory of God entered into that place so that even Moses couldn't go in. If we could turn to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And I warned you, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture. Second Chronicles, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. You know, it's funny how uh, what standing in front of people and talking will do to your brain. It can make you so dumb. You know, you could have memorized the books of the Bible from the time you were a kid, and then you stand in front of and stand in front of people, and you're like, Psalms? Is that Old Testament or New Testament? <laughs> second Chronicles, chapter six. And you do not have to stand this time because we're going to read the whole chapter. (laughs) This is about the temple being built. The first passage and this passage are two of the most important passages in the entire Old Testament. Then said Solomon, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. But I have built a house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. And the king turned his face and blessed the whole congregation of Israel. And all the congregation of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who hath with his hands fulfilled that which he spake with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought thee forth, my people, out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city. Among all the tribes of Israel to build an house in that my name might be there. Neither chose I any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem 
that my name might be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it was in thy heart to build a house for my name, thou didst well in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house for my name. The Lord therefore hath performed his word that he has spoken. For I am risen up in the room of David my father, and am set on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And in it have I put the ark, wherein is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the children of Israel. If you'll remember back, this is what they put in the tabernacle. It represented the word of God, the law of God. It represented God's miraculous provision. And it represented the authority that God had given to the man of God. Verse 12, And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high. A cubit's about from your fingertips to your elbows. It's about a foot and a bit. So he's about three and a half feet high off the ground, let's say. And I lost my place. What verse are we at? There we go. 13. And it set it in the midst of the court, and upon it he stood, and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel, and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heaven, nor in the earth, which keep his covenant, and show his mercy unto thy servants, that walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised him, and spakest with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel, yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my law as thou hast walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified, which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? That's a good question, isn't it? Will God live among men? We look around in the world today, it sure doesn't look like it, does it? In the world, it doesn't seem like there's any trace of God left in many places that we look. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee. That thine eyes may be open upon this house day and night. Upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou wouldst put thy name there. To hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken therefore unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel. Which they make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place. 
even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive. If a man sin against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven, and do, and judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel to bring them again unto the land which thou gavest them and to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee. Yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given unto thy people for there for an inheritance." If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be. I think that just about covers it all, doesn't it? Come on, right. Amen. It's all right for us to pray for God's protection on our family. It's all right for us to pray for God's protection on our finances, on our family, on our kids, on our health. Amen. We ought to cover ourselves and our family, our friends, our loved ones in prayer. Amen. Cover them so there's no avenue that the devil can attack through. Hallelujah. And then guess what? Um, lost my place. If I was thinking ahead, I'd just put my finger on the verse I'm, t- I'm reading, and then I'd just go right back to it, wouldn't I? Verse 29. Uh, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be. Then what prayer or what supplication soever there shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according unto all his ways whose heart thou knowest. For thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. Moreover, concerning the stranger. He's even praying for the strangers. Right. He's even praying for the people who don't belong here. Right. Come on. Amen. Which is not of thy people, Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake and thy mighty hand and thy stretched out arm. If they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place. And do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. That all the people of the earth may know thy name. And fear thee as doth thy people Israel. And may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that thou shalt send them. And they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen in the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, 
I was wondering how many people here don't ever sin. Wow. Well, at least we know what sin you struggle with. For there is no man which sinneth not. And now be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies. And they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart, And with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither they have carried them captives and pray toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers and toward the city, which thou hast chosen and toward the house, which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people, which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Going on to verse 7, now we see God's response again. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Going down to verse 12. And we'll read through 22. And this is the last of our longer passages. It shows what God responded to Solomon and to his prayer. It says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, we all know this verse pretty well, don't we? We've heard it a thousand times. This is where it comes from. Let's all read it together. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin And will heal their land. With God there is always hope. With God there is always hope. As long as we are on this earth. It's not too late. Hallelujah. Verse 15. Now mine eyes shall be open. 
and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom, according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. We've just read the two accounts in the Old Testament of a building being built. And it being dedicated to God. It was for God, and it was only for God. There was nothing else that was ever supposed to happen in the tabernacle or in the temple. Except that which was holy. It was a place of repentance, a place of dedication, a place of blessing, a place of promise, a place of provision, a place of favor. But it's interesting that in the New Testament, not one time. Do we ever read such an account? We never read about a building or a place being dedicated to God and the glory of God coming down and filling the place. It doesn't occur. But in John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus told his disciples, he said, and I will pray the father. And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. What Jesus was saying is that there is a shift that's going to take place. There is something new that's going to happen that's never ever happened before. The Bible tells us that the prophets of old, they looked forward through prophecy and they saw the time and what Jesus and what God was going to do. And they wanted to be a part of it. But it wasn't for them. It wasn't for their time. You know, it's so convenient for us because our Bible as Brother Woods spoke to us on Wednesday night. It's split up into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament just means basically a a covenant. It's split up into the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And there are some similarities from the Old and the New. But they're not the same. In the Old Testament, as we just read, God dwelt 
in buildings. God would fill them. The glory of God would fill them. But in the New Testament, it wasn't so. Instead of God dwelling in buildings, now God chose to live and to dwell in us. That had never happened in the Old Testament. The prophets heard about it. They knew about it. And they wanted it. How glorious must that be that the glory that we saw in the temple, the power of God, the fire of God that fell in the temple and consumed the sacrifice, it wouldn't live in the building. It would live in me. That the glory that filled the house of God would fill my heart. It would fill my mind. It would fill my body. That when I leave the house of God, I don't walk out of it and leave the glory of God, but I take it with me. I brought it with me when I came. And when I leave, it'll go with me again. Hallelujah. We go on to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Brother Ali quoted this scripture this morning. And ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The power of God that was working in the Old Testament is the same power of God that is working in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has no beginning and He has no end. God is. I'm sure we've all heard the, the, the name Jehovah. It means I am. Well, I am what? I am. God is. And He always will be. God always was. He doesn't change. Hallelujah. If we go to the book of Acts chapter 2, we read the story of this happening. Between Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and Acts chapter 2, Jesus told His disciples to go back to Jerusalem. There were about 500 people that were there uh, when Jesus rose into heaven when he, after He was resurrected, which we're going to celebrate pretty soon here. I'm excited about that on Easter. But after that, Jesus rose into heaven. There were about 500 people that were there and saw Jesus go into heaven. And when Jesus was standing there just before he ascended, he told them, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. And I want you to wait there. I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. That power that I talked about, you're going to receive it. And I want you to wait there until it comes on you. If Moses had been there, what do you think Moses would have done? Just as the Lord commanded Moses. That's what Moses would have done. He would have been among that number that went back to to Jerusalem and waited there. But when we get to the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each one of them. You remember when the fire fell in the temple? The fire didn't fall on the building this time. It fell on them. And they were all filled 
with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They went back. They did everything just as he said. They were dedicated. They dedicated themselves. Jesus, you told us to go. We're going to go back. We don't know how long we're going to have to wait. You never told us that part. But we're going to be waiting until it happens. There were 500 people that were there when Jesus ascended who heard the command of Jesus to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Do you know how many were there on the day of Pentecost? Minus 380. There were 120. What happened to the 380? We don't know. Maybe they had a job they had to go to. Maybe they had a, had, a, had a wedding they had to go to, or maybe they were going to be in one. I don't know. Maybe they had something that they were wanting to get done at their house. Maybe they needed to put fertilizer on the grass. I know a lot of people are doing that right about this time. We don't know where they were, but all we know is they weren't there. But there were 120 that were dedicated. Whatever God said, I'm going to do it. I don't know how long I may have to wait, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to do it just like he said. And they were there and they experienced it. Not one of them was left out. There is a power in being dedicated to God. I'm preaching this message to everybody today, but I'm a youth pastor back home and or was a youth pastor. And so I really feel like I'm preaching to some young people here today. Because it's while we're young and whatever age we are today, we're younger than we will be tomorrow. So I guess we're all young <laughs> compared to how it'll be tomorrow. But, so I'm preaching it to everybody. I'm really preaching it to the young people. Right. If you will dedicate yourself to God and if you don't look back and you keep going forward and you keep that dedication to God, the glory that filled the temple... The power of God that filled them on the day of Pentecost will fill you. And it will change your life. It will change your life. You know, I was talking with Pastor Knowles the other day. A lot of time, especially young people who don't have as much time and experience of serving God and living for God. A lot of the time when we talk about the power of God or the blessing of God, I think a lot of time it goes in our ears and we kind of think of like, ooh, like pie in the sky, you know, spiritual things, things that we can't measure, things that we can't really, you know, tell if it's happening or, or what. But, you know, living for God. And when you're dedicated to God, there are practical, practical every day. You can measure blessings that come from living for God and being dedicated to God. Brother Knowles was sharing with me that I think it was three jobs in, in a row. That, uh, may I share this? I'm sorry, I didn't ask you. <laughs> well, I guess I put you on the spot now. <laughs> we were talking about jobs that we've had and three jobs in a row he never even had to apply for. He didn't go to them, they came to him. That's a pro- that is a blessing from being dedicated to God. It will change your life. I didn't, I didn't share this with him, but the last three jobs I've had, I didn't apply for them either. They called me. One of the companies I had never even heard of. And someone told them about me. And they called me and said, would you come and work for us? I never filled out an application. 
The last three jobs I've had, I never filled out an application. When does that happen? Well, when you serve God. Yes, sir. When you're dedicated to God. It happens. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not just talking about some ooh, spiritual things and you know. This is real. It will change your life. Amen. Things in your life that look impossible, that it looks like there is no way. When the doctors don't know what to do, when the counselors don't have the answers, when you're dedicated to God, God can make a way where a way is impossible. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the apostles went out and things started happening like crazy. Blind eyes began to be opened. We can read in Acts chapter 3 how they met a lame man who was, he was a beggar. He was laying on the side of the road and he said, hey, do you have any money? And they said, well, we don't really have any money, but we have something that we could give you. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the man got something a whole lot better than a couple quarters or a couple dollars that day. He was so excited. He jumped up and he started running. He was dancing and leaping and praising God. Everywhere they went, miracles started happening. And people didn't like it, so they threw him in prison. And then an angel came and met him and opened the prison door for him. And they walked out of the prison. That could happen today. Amen. Amen. In Acts 17, it tells us that when they went to a new town, there were people there who were against the gospel who said, Oh no! These people are here now. They're in our town now. These people who have turned the world upside down have come here. They changed the atmosphere. The world changed wherever they went. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul tells the church at Corinth, he says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? We are the temple of God. When we read about the temple, what did God say? He said, I'm going to put my glory here. I'm going to put my name here. But now we are the temple of God. I guess that brings up a question. Has His name been called over you? When we are buried with Him in baptism and His name is called over us. And He puts His name on us. Something happens. You'll never be the same again. His glory will fill your life. It will fill your heart. It's not good enough to be dedicated halfway though. You know, when they built the temple, they couldn't say, hey, we built this awesome building and there's gold and there's jewels all over. It's really beautiful. And hey, God, we even made a room for you over here. Right, Most of on. it is just for us. But, but we made a room for you. Come on. And God said, oh, wow, they made a room for me. <laughs> but the whole place was built and was dedicated to God. Amen. And God filled it. I want to tell you today, it's not... <coughs> Excuse me. Thank God for water. What was I saying earlier? You don't know how much you need it until you go without it for a little bit. 
But I want to tell you today, it's not enough to just have a piece of your life that's dedicated to God. It's not enough to just have a day of the week that's dedicated to God. Hey God, you know what? You can have this day. In my week, I have seven days. God, I have the whole day just for you. Come on. And how many of us even give a whole day to God? Come on. Some of us, I'm sure, probably we give a morning to God. We come to church on Sunday morning, but as soon as we walk out those doors, the rest of it is ours. Come on. <laughs> We've got to be dedicated to God every day. All of our strength. The Bible tells us that's the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. If you want all of the glory of God in your life, if you want all of the power of God in your life, all of His favor, all of His blessing, you've got to be completely dedicated to Him. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him... Whoa. Him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are. We are that temple. We are that temple. You know, if you go to Jerusalem today, you can't find any temple that's built there. They say that they have one wall of it left, but that's debatable. But we don't have to go to Jerusalem to find the temple of God today. It's right here. It's you. It's me. We are the temple of God. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to what? The power that worketh in us. How much glory of God do you have in you today? How much of the power of God do you have in you today? You got about that much? Or are you filled with it? How much did the apostles have? Do you think they had a little bit or do you think they were filled? Why were they filled? The power that the early Christians and the apostles had, it wasn't just from themselves. They didn't have the power to do miracles and heal people and open blind eyes. It was the power and the glory of God that filled them. Why? Because of their dedication to God. You know, God isn't a squatter. You know, there's people who will do that. They don't have a place to live and so... They go around and find a house that no one's living in. They just go in and start living there. And I, you know, I, I'm sympathetic to, to people who don't have a place to live. I, I feel bad for them. I, you know. But God isn't a squatter. God doesn't live in places where he's not welcome. God doesn't live in places where he's not invited. But if you invite him, if you give him your heart and say, God, I want you to fill me. I'm dedicated to you. He will never refuse. He will never refuse. You know, it's got to be in us before it can go out of us to other people. We've got to be filled with His Spirit before the Spirit can flow out of us and flow through us to other people. I'm coming towards a close, but I want to tell you a story, and it's about my grandpa. My grandpa, when he died... 
he was a minister. And he, there were over, he lived in a small town, but there were over 600 people who were at his funeral, many of them ministers. And for a small town, it was a very big funeral. That was between the viewing and the, and the funeral. There were 600 people there, and he was honored, and people talked about what a great man he was and things like that. Before that, he had pastored four churches, and there were many miracles that happened in his ministry. Four times people were raised from the dead in my grandfather's ministry. There was one service. It was a, it was a weeknight. It wasn't a Sunday, but there was a lady whose son had been born with a deformed leg. And she said, Pastor, I just feel like if, if I would bring Donnie up that, and you would pray for him, God would heal him. It was in the middle of the service. She just raised her hand during the, the, while he was speaking. He said, Sister, bring her up. And he was born and his leg was deformed so bad that his lower leg was turned and the sole of his foot was against his calf. And my dad was there and he said, I saw with my own eyes as when they prayed, his leg came around straight. That boy later became the fastest track runner in the state of Ohio. That was my grandpa's ministry. But it, it didn't start out that way. My grandfather, before that, the day he got the Holy Ghost, he was walking down the street and he was looking in some shop windows and bumped into a man. And the man was shocked and surprised and and my grandpa said, hey, hey, you'll never guess what happened to me last night. He said, man, you need God. You need the Holy Ghost. And the man ran away from him. <laughs> but the reason why the man ran away from him was because that man had tried to murder my grandpa. And before my grandpa was saved, he told everybody he knew. He said, next time I see that guy, I'm going to kill him. And it was in the southern part of Ohio and back in those days, back when the roads were still made out of dirt and it was a different time and he carried a pistol on him all the time, had a shotgun in his car. Swore he would kill him. But in one day, when he dedicated himself to God, God filled him with the Spirit and the glory of God filled his life. And a man who wanted to murder somebody became a man that raised people from the dead. And preach the gospel across America. It doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter what you may have done. It doesn't matter how far from God you may feel. How much the devil may lie to you and say there's no hope for you. It could never happen to you. You're damaged goods. There's no hope for you. It doesn't matter. If you will make the decision. And it's a decision. Young people, it's a decision. To dedicate yourself to God. When the, when the world is going the opposite direction. To say, hey, I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm dedicated to God. If you take a stand for God, God will take a stand for you. Amen. 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 He will. Hallelujah. There was another man that... And my grandfather's... Well, my grandpa wasn't a pastor yet. But there was a man who was horrible to his wife. He would... He was not in the church. And every time his wife would go to church, when she would come home, he would beat her up every time. Several times he locked her out of the house when she came home on a Sunday night. And he wouldn't let her in the house. One time was during a snowstorm in the middle of the winter. Didn't let her come in the house. She sat on the porch all night in the freezing cold. He was a horrible man. He had always been a strong man. He got cancer. And he 
His weight went down and he became more and more frail till he weighed less than 100 pounds. He had been a big man, a strong man. Weighed less than 100 pounds. Eat up with cancer. The doctors said, you have maybe two weeks. My grandfather and his pastor at that time went to the hospital to see him. They said, Archie, if God would heal you, would you give your life to him? And Archie started to cry. He said, preacher, I can, I can, never, I can never ask God to heal me. I've been so mean. I've been so mean to my wife. I can never ask God to heal me. He said, but I have decided and made up my mind, if you would, I would like to be baptized before I meet God. And they said, well, we're, we're happy to baptize you if you want to do that. They said, let's talk to the doctor. The doctor said, well, you got a hole in your neck, and if you go in the water, you're going to drown, and you can die today or die in two weeks. It's up to you if you want to be baptized, and that make you feel better. Sure, why not? He was so frail that he couldn't get out of bed. They lifted him in a sheet and they carried him in a folded up sheet, put him in the back of the car, laid him in the back of the car, carried him to the church. They lowered him in the water. The pastor said, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And there was a commotion in the water and the sheet was jerked out of their hands. And my grandpa later said, he thought, oh no, we just killed him. (laughs) But Archie exploded out of the water completely healed. He outlived the doctor who gave him two weeks to live. And the glory of God filled his life. My dad said he was one of the kindest, sweetest men I've ever met in my life. He said after that, he became a strong member of the church, supported his wife, loved his wife. After every service, he would have a stick, either a stick of juicy fruit gum, which... That doesn't sound like much of a reward to me, but he would either have a mint or a stick of juicy fruit gum to give to each of the kids who stayed awake during church. And they would go to Archie's, can I have a stick of gum? Did you stay awake in church? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, here you go. The glory of God was in his life. Recently I saw, and I'm coming to a close. The musicians want to come. I saw a video on YouTube, which is convenient because that means you can go and verify it. That I'm telling you the truth. I saw a video of one of the greatest boxers of all time, Mike Tyson. And he was being interviewed. How many of y'all saw Mike Tyson fight? Boy, was he a fighter. Man. Mike Tyson stood there with all of his belts and all of his titles on a table. And the interviewer asked him, he was the best boxer in the world at that time. At one time he had the best boxer in the world. Amazing. Other boxers, professional boxers, feared him. Were afraid to be hit by him. He stood there with all of his belts on the table and the interviewer asked him, said, what does all this mean to you now? Your, your, your career is over. What does all this mean to you now? And he picked up a belt and threw it across the table. And he said, this doesn't mean anything. He said, this, this is worthless. He said, when I was young, I really thought all this meant something. I really worked hard to get all this. But now I, I realize it doesn't mean anything. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the truth. You know, the world will try to sell you its bill of goods. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter what you may accomplish in life. 
It doesn't matter who you, who you may know. It doesn't matter where you go or what you do. There's no life. There is no life like the one that's dedicated to God. God will take you places you never could have imagined. He'll do things through you that you can't believe could ever happen. God will bless you in a way that is beyond belief. But you know, it's not enough for us to just make a commitment today. That's really not how it works. A lot of the time we come to church and we hear a message and we think, oh, I want that. And so we just say a prayer and then we go home and we make a commitment for today. But we've really got to make a commitment for our lives. It's not a commitment between you and the church. It's a commitment between you and God. Because if you move to another town, if all, you're, if all you are is just dedicated to the church, well, the church will stay here and then you'll go to another town where you don't know anybody and you may not keep going to church. But if you have a dedication to God, it doesn't matter where you are, who else may be around you or not, you can have a thing going with Jesus. And His glory will still be there. His glory isn't there just when you're in church. But it's there with you when you wake up in the morning. It's there with you when you're taking a shower, getting ready for work. It's there with you when you're on your lunch break. It's there with you when you get home. It's there with you when you lay your head on the pillow at night and you feel the peace of God. You can have that freedom from fear that Brother Ali was talking about. Let's all stand this morning. God is here with us today. Amen, amen. I feel like God is asking us today, what are we going to do with our decision? What are we going to be dedicated to? We can dedicate ourselves to sports. Oh, I love sports. We can dedicate ourselves to our hobbies. Me and Brother Knowles have the same hobby. We both love cars. We can dedicate ourselves to relationships, to learning, to education, to money. Or we could dedicate ourselves to God. Put our life in God's hands. Say, God, I trust you. Whatever you want from me, I'll do it like Moses did. I'll do it just the way you say. Hallelujah. I wonder if we can all raise our hands right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, we want to dedicate our lives to you. Lord, we want to be filled with your glory. God, we want you to fill our hearts with your presence, oh God. Lord, we make that commitment today, God, to dedicate ourselves to You. No matter what we have to give up. No matter what it means. Lord, I dedicate myself to You. God, You will be number one in my life. Hallelujah. Let's all talk to God right now. I don't know what you may have in your life that you may have to give up to be dedicated to God. But if God deals with you about something, I would encourage you to not hold it back. Whatever it is, let it go. Those title belts that you may want to get won't mean all that much in a few years. 
But that walk with God having His glory in your life, it'll make all the difference. It'll make all the difference in this life and in the next one. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, let's all pray today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to come down to the altar, if you want to dedicate yourself to God, if you want to rededicate yourself to God, the altar is open. I would encourage you to take that step of faith. Hallelujah. He's here. He's waiting for you. He's listening for your response. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.